Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. Hey, look, are you already getting sick of us covering games anyone would ever give a shit about? I bet you are, and so just for you, just so you can feel special, here's 1984's Lords of Creation, a Moldvay production. And honestly, I don't even know if that's the Moldvay everyone talks about, because that would be research. Anyhow, who wants to talk about a catch-all RPG from the 80s? John, I hope. It's System Mastery. Before we get things started today, John, you know all about our announcement mastery system, right? Oh, of course I do. Yeah, if you head on down to our website, uh, systemmasterypodcast.com, and find the Give Us Some Money button, click on that, uh, for the low price of $75, I know it sounds like a high price, but check what everyone else charges in this industry, we are the loss leader. Hmm. Uh, We pass the the savings on to you. We sure do. For the low price of 75 bucks, we'll read an ad for you on the air. Uh, we have one this week that I'm going to take over and just get right into. Uh, Comics Games and Things, comicsgamesandthings.com, is a place to buy things. Please buy things from us so we can give money to Jeff and John to tell you to buy things from us. Or you can subscribe to them on Patreon, or both. If there's something you want to buy and your local hobby store doesn't have it, Ask us to order it for you, and if we can, we will. We do 15% off MSRP all regular products. We also sell software to Patreon campaigns and hobby stores to save them time managing customers and inventory. If your hobby store is stuck in the 90s, we can help get them an online presence and digital inventory, plus a fancy printed pri- or plus fancy printed price stickers at a reasonable cost, and nothing up front. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. Give us more money to give to Jeff and John. (laughs) We also like to do giveaways. We gave away some Sentinel Comics RPG books last week, and as promised, here are the lucky winners. Please note, folks, they gave away these. We got some complaints that were like, you guys are chilling now, and I was like, no, our sponsor is. Sponsors can chill all they want. That's the best thing about sponsors. (laughs) We don't have to do anything. Yeah, we just read the text. We also like to do giveaways. We gave away some Sentinel Comics RPG books last week, and as promised, here are our lucky winners. Uh, One starter set went to Greg Siren, one starter set went to PJ, and the core book went to Tony M. Hooray! We're probably going to do another giveaway. Yeah, congrats to them. That's awesome. I got my core book, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, We're, yeah. So we're probably going to do another giveaway. Check comicsgamesandthings.com slash giveaways, and we'll probably be giving away a 3D printed army for use in miniatures agnostic sci-fi games. Or the other one. You know the one. You know. That one. I Yeah, that's the sort of thing where I'm sure he's legally beholden, uh, or they are. I'm not, but I'm going to follow the rules anyway. One entry per person, no purchase necessary, valid in the U.S. for persons 18 years of age or older. Maybe also buy something, too please and there you go yeah buy something so so they can give that money to us that's right they give us i've checked our patreon they give us they give us money anyway anyway you slice it love (laughs) comics games and things.com so head on down there and support them 15 percent off msrp is a damn good deal anyway true so heck no lord knows i'm going to start heading there when i need to find things 
So uh, there you go. That's the one ad we have to read this week. As always, you know where to find them. Go forth and do so. Otherwise, I'll see you on the other side of some music, and presumably so will John, unless he's busy, uh, (laughs) with System Mastery. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's me, your forever host, Jeff, until I curl up and die, joined, as always, by my similarly mortal host, John. Ah, yes. If you thought you were going to tune in to a podcast from two immortals with a bored view on life as we know it, then you have turned into the wrong place. Pure mortal here, not forever ageless, definitely going to die. For uh, a certain future where we will become nothing more than a memory, and then not even that, perhaps just our breath, floating through the ether until it it finds new life in the lungs of another. We will become as dust, and mm-hmm. so we shall be forgotten. Now, if you do want a podcast where bored mortals talked about whatever, uh, that's our other show. That's actually how System Mastery works. Or, yeah. Sorry, Movie Mastery. That's a how our show. other show, System Mastery, works. But it's System Mastery, System parentheses, Mastery. now with immortals. <laughs> yeah, we just have two shows called System Mastery. Yeah, and you, in one of them, you can only find the mortals. other one if you are also an immortal. Yeah, and to become an immortal, you nearly need to support us at the $2,000 level. <laughs> Much like Ray Liotta, forever may he reign. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. I uh, played some board game last night. That was nice. I got the yeah, Stardew Valley would... board game. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to giving it a shot. Uh, I don't know when we'll get that done. I know we have our occasional social distanced visits now, but but Lord knows I'm not done playing my new board game yet either. Well, That's fuck okay. you, I'll, buddy. I'll make time for, for, uh, for Stardew Valley. Yeah, you better make time. Okay, I will. God, why are you being so pushy about it? Jeez. Yeah, fuck you, buddy. You better get ready for some bucolic farming in a beautiful valley. Bitch. Man, if I can't pick apples, then I'm just going to fucking shoot. I, I don't even know how I'm going to react. Oh, you can't. Shit. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try and I'm, I'm going to try and work out my anger now before you before anyone comes anywhere near me. That's right. Get angry about apples. <laughs> I I always am. That's my number one source of anger. Don't mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to elaborate. Just trust me on that on that detail. <laughs> Some people get road rage. Ooh, I get angry about apples. <laughs> yeah. Why are they so bad? Why did it take so long to invent a good one? Hmm. All right. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear you're doing well and you have a board game. It's great. That's all I want in life is to do well. And by that, I mean, you know, not currently incapacitated and to have a board mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Dog access. Also a plus. Oh, always a super high bonus. Yeah. If uh, if you can get anywhere near a dog on just even a monthly basis, that's that's enough for your happiness for the most part. Pretty much, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> we read Lords of Creation. Boy, did we. So, uh, Lords of Creation really is one of those examples of a game from the, like the early to mid-80s that just sort of took a shot at the king and missed. Hmm, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying D&D is good or that it was good in 84 or anything like that, but it was the king. Kings just often suck. It's true. I'm not pro-monarchy. I'm just saying, if you come for the king, 
best not miss. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is a game. It, it purports to be a game you can use to run just about anything in just about any way. Like, it's supposed to be one of those catch-all, use this for sci-fi, use this for fantasy kind of games. But with a twist in so far as you play the same character through all of it, and you are wandering around a multiverse of worlds where maybe you're in a magic setting, and then in a future setting, and then in a future magic setting. Yeah, I mean, the idea of being like, okay, you know, you are going to be on the path of becoming a Lord of Creation, where, you know, eventually you are going to be like a god that can jump between dimensions and has all sorts of weird superpowers and just, you know, gets to fucking hop between settings. But yeah, the- when you first start, that is not the case. No, you're pretty far from it, to be uh, to be entirely clear. Uh, you start the game as a god. Everyone is sort of a god or, I don't know, a lord of creation and maybe not specifically a god. But you don't start. It's a very long apprenticeship program. Oh, yeah. You start and as you're a not even in it, and you got yeah. so long to go before you end up being a master of anything. Literally, the second rank is apprentice, so you're you're not even at that rank yet. You are just a little baby bitch. <laughs> like I don't, I don't understand a lot of things in this game. There are clearly some very 1984 decisions that were made, so I kind of understand why some things were done, but it. Mm-hmm. It's just weird to me that they were like, okay, what's what's the hook for our game? Lords of Creation, uh, everyone is on their way towards becoming some weird super godlike being. And you're like, okay, you know, we've definitely seen some games that have done that. And mm-hmm. in fact, when you first told me what we were doing, I was like, didn't we just do that some weeks ago? And I was like, oh no, wait, that's the new gods <laughs> that we yeah. were doing. Yeah. New- New Gods of Mankind was similar, but ultimately a different sort of thing. But at least with the New Gods of Mankind and some other games we've done like that, if the idea is you're some sort of godlike being, you at least generally start sort of godlike. Whereas in this, you're like, what do you do? Oh, you start out and you are, like every 80s role-playing game for no good goddamn reason, a shit farmer... And I don't know, eventually you're just like, oh, wait a minute, I'm cool. All right, bye. Well, it's neat that there's kind of just a generic progression towards being a badass in this game. Like, you start with nothing. Technically, it starts you, every character starts with the same single godlike ability. But I got to tell you, about half of the basic godlike abilities that everyone gets are specifically for the DM's use or GM's use. And you don't get any control over them or even to know that you have them necessarily. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the game spells it out right there. It's like, ah, dimensional sight. It's the thing everyone starts with. It lets you see things that might otherwise be invisible, like ghosts or elementals or sprites or whatever. And it just says, yeah, this is a vehicle for the GM to introduce some mystery or create a weirdness for a normal setting. And then from then on, it's like dimensional language. Again, dimensional language is more for the use of the GM. Yeah, I don't think there's one that's for the player. I think the first one you get for the players is like when you're at the sixth rank rank out of like 10 ranks. 
Because uh, the first five are dimensional sight, dimensional language, spatial projection, temporal projection, dimensional projection. Finally, the first one you get the, that is in your control is double healing, which is just you heal twice as fast now. And even that's just kind of a passive. Oh, yeah. But even then, it's like, uh, this is one of the few abilities designed for the character. I'm like, great, <laughs> thanks. Well, it also, this begins, these abilities uh, show up as you make your way up the ranking system in this game. Uh, the game doesn't really have a level of experience so much as it has a stat in your your uh, list of stats on your character sheet called personal force. And uh, every, I think, 10 points of personal force you gain, uh, you also go up one rank in character title, get an additional power, uh, everything gets more expensive, and you get one of these uh, these 10 abilities. Yeah. All 10 of them set up something that's very amusing to me throughout this game, which is... The dimensional sight is a perfectly co- functional example. It's like, hey, this can let you see some stuff that's invisible. If it's invisible, now you can see it. This sets you apart from everyone else. Unless it would be inconvenient to the adventure to see invisible stuff, then you can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, that, and that's like every power in the game. Like, you can talk people into doing whatever you want, unless it would be inconvenient to the GM. Then you can't. <laughs> it's just... It's so weird to me that it's so difficult to get up to begin with just to get, like, the first few abilities and powers and whatnot. But the fact that the first five are all just useless for you, especially when you get to something like spatial, temporal, or dimensional projection, because all it does is let you see somewhere else. And... Especially for dimensional projection, you're like, oh, you can see some other dimension. Can I go there? No, you cannot. All right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Great. <laughs> when, can, when can I go there? Uh, you can go there f- six or five or six levels after you earn it. Uh, you can teleport across the dimensions, but again, it's primarily at GM discretion. Uh, it's so that when, when the GM tells you you're a special boy and now it's time for you to have dimensional adventures, now you can. Of course, dimensional travel is basically the second to last character title you get before being a lord of creation so which jesus christ that's fun to talk about the, that last one yeah i mean <laughs> the point where i feel like the game should have started is the end game for this where it's like what's this yeah. the ability to go to like other places and you can jump from you know like fantasy setting and then jump over to a sci-fi thing oh that's that's cool that's an actual hook for a game that will be after like several years of playing this it's weird yeah because this was a thing that everyone making 80s games seemed to be afraid of to start their characters powerful you have to start them weak and very near the end of the game maybe they can do something kind of interesting kind of fantasy story structure Uh, until then they have to hang out in the regular world and do regular world stuff like, remember prior to Planescape, in D&D, going to the Outer Plains was like, are you level 18? Do you have at least two wizards? Okay, you can maybe go to the Outer Plains for an hour. Yeah. And then Planescape was like, look, we spent all these decades creating all of these stories about the Outer Plains, and we keep locking them behind a character progression that most players never finish. Yep. So why don't we just skip the middleman and start players in the Outer Plains and let them have cool Outer Planar adventures? And, you know, this game came out a long time before Planescape did. 
and, and it's just it's old fashioned. So you still have to start your game as like a regular dude, and maybe someday you'll jump through time at the DM's discretion. Yeah, I it's it's annoying to me because you also look at a starting character when you're making your character. Uh, the game only uses uh, D20, D10, and D6. Uh-huh. Which it actually gives you a fun little list of what you can roll with those and how. Yeah. And then, you know. Ignores. Ignores it for <laughs> the first thing you do, which is ability scores. Yeah, because it's like, hey, you can use these to roll a D2, a D3, a D5, a D6, a D10, 2D8. And then to roll stats, roll 2D10. You're like, wait, why didn't you put that in the previous list? Eh. Eh. <laughs> But yeah, you have five stats, three of them are physical, one of them is your brain, and the last one is just luck. And all you do is you roll 2d10, combine them so you get between a 2 and a 20. And Uh that almost doesn't matter, given that the only thing it's really doing outside of stamina for the base number is it's just giving you a modifier. And the modifier is just... Did you get a 10 or below? You have a modifier of one. Did you get an 11 to 20? You have a modifier of two. This will go up, you know, when you level up and can actually increase your stats. But for now, you just have a one or a two. That's your only option. Yes. Yeah, it's impossible to get as high as a three. Uh, You have a one or a two, but you have to roll 2d10 to generate these ones or twos, which feels a little... I mean, I get why they did it, because the only thing XP does in this game is let you buy D6s of extra stat later on. And there's no cap. No. The whole point is your personal force is what determines, you know, when you can unlock new abilities and powers and whatnot. And to start, the very best, if you rolled like a 20 on all of your stats, is you would have a 10 personal force... Mm-hmm. And your personal force is just the average, like, or really take all your stats, add them together, divide by 10. Yeah, and round up. So you've got to at least get to a decent level of stats overall before you can start unlocking things. Mm-hmm. But it means when you start, no matter what, you're going to be... A neophyte with no powers, the ability to maybe see something invisible, and a one or a two in all of your nonsense. Yes, because each one of the stats generates its own bonus, which is what that one or two is. So, for example, the three physical stats are muscle, speed, and stamina, which generate damage, initiative, and healing bonuses, uh, all of which are either going to be one or two. Yep. Uh, mental is power modification, which modifies powers, which you do not have yet and will not for some time. So yep. that one just doesn't do anything. And then the last one is uh, the luck roll, called, which I think is just called roll, which modifies when the occasional luck thing comes up, usually to resist the effects of powers. Yeah, there are occasional things where it's like, oh, someone's trying to, I don't know, control your brain, make a luck roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to uh, you also need a physical score, which is your basic uh, combat roll. You have to roll under your physical score to hit people. Uh, and that is calculated by taking the average of your three physical stats and rounding them up. Yep. I will say this. Then, at least everything is round up. And when it yeah. says round up, it doesn't mean naturally round. It means if you have like point one, you round up to the next thing. 
Yes, yeah, which means you're going to get, at least when you finally get around to getting to rank two apprentice, it, you'll, it'll happen all of a sudden, as opposed to having to wait a long time to earn it. Uh, at neophyte level, because the only thing you can, like I said, the only thing you can spend XP on in this game is to increase individual stats by 1d6, and that cost goes up by every rank that you uh, go up yourself. When you're starting out, it costs 10 XP to buy a single d6 in a single ability score. It will actually take quite a while of earning these 10 XPs at a time to get your your uh, score up high enough that you jump over to Apprentice, unless you happen to roll all 20s, in which case I think your first d6 you purchase pushes you over that line. Yeah, although, you know, obviously that's not going to happen. Probably what you're going to have is more like a uh, score of, like, six or maybe five or seven depending on how good or bad you did and it'll yeah. be a you know several xp before you actually push over to the next area to be fair i mean to granted the one example of combat ending that i found in this book featured they fought a bunch of bar guests which i believe are demon dogs uh and each demon dog was worth like 25 xp by itself yeah so, although you so know you if you look at the demon dog in the actual monster manual that we got with this, it is, uh, it's not something you would be fighting as a level one chump. <laughs> That's true. You pretty much can go out and shoot rabbits for a while until you're level two. Oh, yeah. Yep. So that's more, that's almost all of basic care. Well, there's skill system. The other thing you need to calculate, like we talked about, is personal force, which we've already gone over how. Your personal force score uh, is also the number of points you get to purchase skills. Yes. Which I thought uh, was weird that they didn't base it on your mental stat, given that it does nothing as a starting character, since all it does is kind of help your powers. I was like, oh, you should at least do something with it to start. And it makes sense to, like, tie it to the skill system. But no. Yeah, it would have made perfect sense. Uh it, although, granted, you could roll a two and just be like, oh, great, now I don't even get to interact with the skill system. I hate this. <laughs> so really, they'd, they'd want to make it where the, the mental score factors into it more carefully than being, what, one-fifth of the average of, of what your skill list uh, choices are going to be? Yeah, well. So the skills are interesting. Uh, each one of them ranks from one to five, and each purchase that you buy is just one rank of skill. I think, wait, can, yeah... That is the other thing you can spend XP on now that I think about it. Nope, I'm sorry, you can't. When you gain more personal force, that's also how you gain more skill points. Exactly. And There you go. It's interesting because the way that they do skills is they'll have a category. So it'll be like communication. And then there are five ranks in it. And every time you get a rank, it unlocks whatever you have and below. So if I have one rank in communication, I know about how to use radios. I can maybe fix a radio if it's broken. And mm -hmm. then if I get to level two, now I know Morse code. Uh, the way that it works though, is you have to move one level to another. It's not like oh, I get level one. I pick from a, these five, what I want to do. You have to get them in order which is, for some of them, you're like, oh, I, I guess that makes sense if you're doing, like, medical, like, all right, you kind of have to go through a general practice before you know anesthesiology. 
But Some then, of them are dumb. But then level three is psychiatry, and I'm like, that's weird. Yeah. And then Some level of them four are is dumb. surgery. So I'm like, oh, I need to be a psychiatrist before I can be a surgeon? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the mechanic and pilot ones are also fun, funny in this way, where both of them go land vehicle, water vehicle, air vehicle in that order. Like, in order to learn how to fly or repair an airplane, you must first learn how to fly and repair a boat. Yes, fly that boat. <laughs> hey, maybe in a futuristic magical setting you might have to. <laughs> I also, honestly, my very favorite one of these that I was like, wait, what the fuck? was the theatrical set where it starts and you think, oh, theatrical, this is going to be like acting. Well, no, the first three are acrobatics, trapeze work, and wire walking. And you're like, oh, okay, this is like, I guess I'm in a circus, like I'm a, I'm an acrobat. But then level mm -hmm. four is impersonation. And <laughs> it means that if you want to be someone that's real good at doing voices and impersonating people, first you must learn how to work the trapeze. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> if you wish to trod the boards, you must first flip above them. It's just so weird to me. I think my favorite one was Engineer. And it's it's a, a great introduction to... Uh, something that makes up rank four or five of virtually every one of the skill categories, which is this thing that just says uh, futuristic slash magical, which is basically now you can do this stuff in a futuristic or magical setting. So if you happen to have translate or, or uh, been transported to a space station or a dungeon, now you can interact with them using your regular skills. You can do wilderness in a magic forest. <laughs> uh, this the example of this, because every single rank of every single skill in this book gets a full-on paragraph of description, is very amusing a lot of the time. Uh, <laughs> because they'll just be like, oh, you can perform all, perform all kinds of things in a uh, futuristic setting. The If, you, if you've taken magic or uh, computer hacking, well, now you can perform all these computer skills in a futuristic or magical setting. For example, you could break the security lock on a spaceship computer or reprogram a computer that's got a magic power source. Great. And I'm like, are those do those the the best one of those is the uh I think the tracking one that lets you track people in a futuristic setting, which is like, wait, what was stopping you? You're just following a guy. Yeah, but just, now, you getting... now you know to track them in the future. So, <laughs> you like, know, well, normally if you try to track someone in the future, you keep stopping to eat Dippin' Dots, the ice cream of the future. You keep getting distracted by all these 3d billboards that are talking to you. You're like, oh, I got to find this guy. And then someone's like, Ooh, why don't you try new perfume? And you're like, Oh wow. That thing's coming right out the wall at me. Oh, damn it. I, I lost stop. the guy. <laughs> Everyone in this era has a purple streak in their hair. I have to... Oh, shoot, I forgot to follow him. <laughs> I can't find him in this sea of purple streaked hair. <laughs> I tried to follow him into this magical forest, but I was told I had to fill an ogre's mouth with piss. <laughs> I tried to follow uh, him into this magical forest, but I needed to solve these riddles three? <laughs> But the funny, the reason I was talking about uh, engineering in the first place is uh, futuristic magical is only the fourth step. The fifth step is learning how to build robots, which is interesting because it means that in order to learn how to build robots, a thing that we can build and we could build in the 80s as well, 
uh, you have to learn the secrets of the future and magic, which obviously were much more difficult to learn in the 80s than just how to build robots. Oh, yeah. Now, granted, that's because this book has a pretty strong connection to robots. They're like a whole class of things you can build that, that are over in the monster manual. But when you first read this section, you're like, wait, why would... I mean, in the 80s, there were some some fairly simple robots already. Did those people already know about magic and the future? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to be able to make a robot, you would better be able to repair a nuclear-powered automatic crane. <laughs> but I don't want to know how to repair a nuclear-powered automatic crane. I want to destroy it so the high wind can get away from Vector. <laughs> don't worry, some people got that. Somebody got that, and that's nice. <laughs> the interesting okay, so... thing I think about this with the level five things, in addition to the fact that that's just pure nonsense, is that it's how the power system in this works too, which is, again, a weird thing to do where you're like, ah, yes, we've decided that there are five levels of power to, I don't know, being a cyborg, and you have to get them one by one in order all right mm -hmm. that's weird uh yeah you can't you can't you have to climb up the ranks uh and i guess at this point we're probably supposed to talk about the combat system because that happens obviously we should because it happens before powers because no starting character is going to have any powers anyway no not like any starting character needs to give a shit yet about what the powers are yeah so combat seems fairly simple until you realize that there's action advantages you can get to, and it is modestly complicated. I mean, the game at least does that thing that some games did where they were like, oh, we, we know that D&D split it up into, like, your basic and advanced, so we're going to mm -hmm. give you very basic, you know, actual usable rules for combat, and then 12 pages of shit to ruin it. <laughs> Yes, this is pretty common in games from like I would say eighty four to ninety two or so is the the golden age of the the game coming with both basic and advanced version. Where if you play the advanced version, you're some kind of moron. Oh yeah, because they're like, hey, how do you do it normally? Oh, you've got a number. You try to hit the number. The guy's got a thing that'll stop you or will hinder that. So you take that into account. You roll your die. Let's see if you do your damage. You do great. And then they're like, or you could play the advanced one where we have this calculation for you. And you're like, no, thank you. Okay, to begin with, divide all of your combat stats by 16.2. Write those numbers down, then throw that paper away. Because <laughs> that will fluctuate all wildly all the time. Because <laughs> it, it always goes like that, where they're like, well, here's a perfectly functional combat system. It's everything you need to play through combat. Now, what if you really wanted to know about suppression fire? Okay, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> ah, but what if someone's moving? Should I shoot them at three different distances during my attack? And you're like, okay, sure, fine, all right. So for the most part, the game provides you with a number that you need to roll under. Uh, it is your physical combat or that, that physical score that we discussed earlier. You need to roll under that to hit. Uh, that will change if you have more than one attack, but that requires you to have more personal force. Uh, it, when you start getting incredibly good at combat, then you have this whole thing where you can be like, oh, I could make 
19 attacks, three or, or sorry, three attacks around, and I have to roll under a 19 on a D20 to hit. Oh, I'm going to get you. But it yeah, requires the, some ludicrous. Go the, ahead. The physical score is so weird because, mm-hmm. I mean, you start out and you cannot get over a 20 because, again, it's just the average of your physicals. So the best yeah. you can get is a 20, which means to start, you can roll under your physical score. You do one attack. All right. Which, yeah. if you've got a 20, great. You just always hit. But, uh-huh. you know, outside of if someone's got armor or whatever. But then the multiple attacks start coming in. And it's <laughs> it's interesting because it goes through this progression of like, all right, you've looped over. So now instead of doing one attack that hits basically on a one through 20, you have two attacks, but it hits on a one through 11. You're like, all right, mm-hmm. all right I guess. And th- and then that happens when you hit a physical score of 21 or higher, which is going to take you a while. Uh, and then it just keeps going. When you hit 24, you you have two attacks that hit on 12s, 27, you hit two, attack, you hit, uh, two attacks that hit on 13s. This goes all the way up till when you hit a physical combat score of 901 or higher, uh, which I I assume would mean you've been playing the game for decades. This gets you 13 attacks that hit on 20s or less. Yep. And at that point, what are you even doing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're really hoping you go first because you have to roll through third. Well, no, it's, it's back and forth, back and forth is the way the attacks work. Um. You have to take one of the skills you can take. We didn't talk about this when we were talking about the skill section is combat skills. Uh, Combat skills are just done by weapon. So you just look at a list of weapons and choose which one you'd like to have combat skills in. Uh, One of those options is, of course, unarmed. Uh, A lot of them have an asterisk beside them, just like the skills do, which means this this weapon is from the future or magic. And therefore, you have to have been there in order to pick up and learn this weapon. Yes, and weapons don't come with a, you know, list of five things that they do, so you're not like, ah, I have sword level one, I know how to attack. Sword level two, I can parry. Instead, it's just a base bonus to whatever you're rolling, and Mm -hmm. different weapons have different maximums for how many skill points you can put into them. So... You know, with an unarmed, you could put six skill points into it because you can get real good at just punching someone with your regular old hands. But a club, you can only put one skill point in because swinging a club around, apparently, you can't get very good at. Yeah, it it kind of feels arbitrary when you get to the ranged weapons, how many skill points you can invest in each one. Uh, But... Ultimately, it is, it, it's a mitigating factor, and like we were just saying, the only thing it does is it, it uh, adds to your chance to hit and adds to your damage as well. Same thing with magic weapons. Uh, incidentally, one of my favorite things in this book is the, it, it's a resurgence of Haven's uh, mecha- uh, rule for, uh, I, there's a, a power called like identifying magic weapons. It's one of the various powers you can you can pick up when you get to that 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 area, it, and it works in the reverse fashion uh, uh, from what would make sense. Like it is almost impossible to identify Excalibur, the Blade of Kings, but a plus one sword is very easy to identify. Hmm, hmm. And I'm like, well, no, one of those is famous. Like one of those is the magic sword that everyone in the world has heard of. The other one could be any fucking thing. Yeah, the other one is like, but 
how do you know that this isn't just a pretty sharp sword? <laughs> you can tell it's Excalibur because some lady's lifting it out of a lake or it's <laughs> stuck in a rock. Uh. <laughs> I love when they do that. Anyway, yeah, you invest uh, as much skill as you can or, or want to and can in a weapon. Uh, if you're using the advanced rules, the weapon may also come with an a, a initiative modifier, which has an interesting kind of flip side mechanic to it. Uh, the long, the bigger a weapon or the longer its range is, the higher its initiative modifier is, unless someone has already closed in combat with you with a smaller weapon. And if they do, then that initiative bonus becomes the exact amount of initiative penalty instead. Yes. And there's rules for basically like Overwatch fire, where if someone is running towards you and would get into like melee combat before you would be able to go you can shoot at them on their way in because oh yeah again we confusing. wanted to add a whole bunch of alternate nonsense into here yeah that got because they were like what if you have six attacks and someone is attempting to charge you you are allowed to make up to three ranged attacks against them then use your one of your six attacks to switch from your range to your melee weapon then make two melee attacks against them and then they get their attack against you and i'm like wow never charge in this game yeah no you should just have a ranged weapon because if you try to run up on a fool with a gun you're done which i mean i guess yeah I mean, that's true. You're not wrong there. But the the fact that they also get a bunch of free attacks against you with their melee weapon when you get close enough is like, what are you doing? Yeah, there's again, there's some some decisions that were made in the advanced combat rules where you're like, I don't I don't know what you were trying to accomplish here. <laughs> there are four types of armor in the game. Actually, there are dozens of types of armor, but there are four categories, regular, ballistic, energy, and magic. Uh, and they are mutually exclusive. So, except for magic, which can overlay any of the other ones. Regular armor prevents uh, prevents damage from old old-timey weapons. Ballistic armor is from guns. Energy is from future guns. And these all cover every category below them as well. If you have ballistic armor, then it acts as armor against a gun or a knife. But if uh -oh. I have energy armor, it'll act against an energy gun, a pistol, or a knife. And yeah. the weird thing with magic is that it affects magic, but only magical things that that armor would be able to do. So, like... If I have magical ballistic armor, it can stop a magical pistol, but not a regular energy gun. Like, there's some weird things that they have here. Yeah, it gets a little confusing, especially because everything that they keep using, for examples, uh, the, we the few future weapons that cannot be defended against by anything. And then they give them a defense. And you're like, wait, what? What are you talking about? The, you're using the blaster. It specifically says it cannot be defended against. Ah, but this is magic. If it's a magic blaster, it can be defended against. Wait, would that make it worse? No, if uh, it's a magic armor, it can be defended against. <laughs> if it's a magic energy armor. Actually, wait, I think any armor would be able to defend against it because it's not like energy armor can defend against blasters anyway. Yeah, I was wrong. The magic protects against anything unless the weapon is magic from a higher thing. So if I have a magic regular armor, 
it will protect against any weapon unless that weapon happens to be magical and like a gun At or least ballistic or energy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so obviously the, the ultimate goal is to get yourself into magical energy armor as soon as possible. Yeah. I mean, obviously, but the, the other interesting thing about that is they didn't decide to make it so that it was like split up into like, Oh, I've got say, you know, a full plate and it's real good for say, you know, regular weapons, but it, can't do anything against armor the armor rating for any given armor just subtracts from somebody being able to hit you uh-huh so if i've got say an armor with a minus four then your target is four less but yes it doesn't <laughs> like it just goes up in order so that energy armor is always higher than ballistic armor and the same for ballistic to regular. Yeah, you can't have crappy ballistic or energy armor. The lowest rank of energy armor you can have would apply a minus six to an enemy's attack, where it is possible to have regular armor that only applies a minus one. Yeah, I found that weird because I would figure that they would have things where it'd be like, oh, all of them are rated to be, say, like a one through seven or something, but the whole point is when you go up to the next category, sure, you might roll down in your armor rating, but you are completely immune to an entire category of weapon now. Yeah. Yeah. Very weird choice. Uh, you, you, just like you were saying, I would think that each era, like, you know, the, the medieval types that you might go into in the future and so on, each one of those would have, you know, a one through 10 armor rating in it to represent things like, oh, I'm from the future, but all I'm wearing is a cool energy resistant jacket. It just provides minus two because I'm a badass. But no, you that you can't have that. No. Like you said, the lowest is a minus six, which is the highest I think you can get with standard armor is mm -hmm. if you're wearing full steel plate. Yeah. And it's it's just weird to me. I don't yeah, I no. mean, maybe I'm weird, maybe this makes perfect sense, but I feel like it should be split up. Right. Uh, incidentally, every weapon does a dozen amount of damage. Uh, so, you know, anywhere between one to six between, and this things like six to 36 for, uh, the super powerful future weapons that would just straight up murder you if you're a starting character. Hmm. Then there's some reaction to morale rules. I don't care. Do you care? No, it's your standard reaction thing where it's like, ah, you meet an NPC roll to see how they feel about thee. And you're like, ugh, come on. I don't give a shit. No one gives no, I, a shit. Yeah, you roll. It's two. It's a two d six roll. Uh, where the middle answers are. Uh, seven is just neutral, undecided. No friend. They might be friendly. Who knows? Uh, which kind of a fuck you of an answer. If you're like, I need a reaction roll table. What's up with these enemies? I don't know. You figure it out. Uh, six is attacks if they feel like they're going to be able to kill you, which I feel is hilarious. You got to wonder if you meet like random friendly people and they're like. I feel like I could take you, so... And then Let's eight is mildly friendly. <laughs> Let's dance. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, it, it, it's just regular stuff. Then there's a bunch of cover fire and reductions of multiple attacks and initiative modifier bonuses and shit that, let's face it, no one cares about. Why don't we get to the powers? That's the part that's interesting. I mean, I do want to say, they Please? do have, for those people who are like, oh, man, if I've got a 
a 20 or less to roll under, then I never miss. That seems terrible. They do have an automatic hit and automatic miss rule that you can add. So yeah, there's a one a always section. hits and a 20 always misses. There's a little section right at the end of the combat section that's just called like special circumstances and optional rules, uh, which, yeah, adds an automatic hit and miss and a few other like the uh, size modifiers to hit and, and so on. And in addition to this, instead of being a crit system, it is an automatic hit or miss. But if you get a one for your auto hit, then you also disarm the opponent. Right. Uh, and and if you're disarmed and the person you're fighting has the initiative on you, if they get a higher initiative score than you do, then you cannot get your weapon back because they automatically use their advanced initiative to get between you and the weapon every time. Yeah, you have to either like pull out a new weapon or get the initiative on them. Mm-hmm. So really all you gotta do is get inside their range if they have a like a pole arm or something, because then you'll win that initiative roll, no question. Yeah. All right, powers. Just like the uh, the skill system, we talked about this already. Each one of them ranges from one to five. Uh, they cover a lot of things that you would not necessarily thought should be sitting in the powers. Like for example, cyborg is one of them. It's just like you get increasingly cyborgy over time as you buy your your uh, upgrades in it. Well, yeah, they're split into three types of categories. There are magical, yeah. psychic, or futuristic. So uh-huh. even then, I feel like. Some of the ones that are like, oh, this is futuristic. I go, yeah, but that's just psychic. Like one of them is the projector, which is you just cloud men's minds. And I'm like, yeah, but that's psychic. Why is that futuristic? You know, whatever. <laughs> uh, I was going to say the thing that that uh, that amused me to no end here uh, was that when you go down into the monster manual, you'll see that that they just kind of forget this whole category thing where they're like, you're going to fight a regular ass dragon from olden times. It's all magic. It has all of the futuristic Somatron powers. Well, yeah, because they decided Somatron was just the get better at fighting category. And yeah, again, they were like, Oh, this is just futuristic for some reason. I'm like, uh, but it, all it is, is you get, like buff or you regenerate i don't understand okay whatever fine your categories are stupid you're stupid (laughs) yeah the whole future psychic uh magical thing is a a a cute idea to tie into the fact that you can't start with these because you have to be exposed to a little bit of like the inner workings of the multiverse or whatever but they they don't actually flow in like it'd be very easy to come up with a futuristic equivalent of the sorcerer set or a magical equivalent of the telepath set and and so those categories feel pretty flimsy for the most part. Yeah, and the only reason they exist pretty much at all is so the GM can fuck with you because they're like, oh, yes. did you get a magical power? What if you're, you put your characters in a futuristic no magic setting? Why, maybe they don't get to use those powers. I'm like, oh, fuck you, buddy. That is, yeah, that's, like I said earlier, up at the top of the episode, half the powers in this, maybe more, have, like, this won't work if it would be inconvenient. But even that isn't, like, oh, because the powers are things the GM controls as far as the abilities you just get per level. This is like, oh, I made my guy a wizard. Well, we went to, I don't know, Buck Rogers, so go fuck yourself. You don't get to do anything. 
Yeah, I mean, all, but I'm just all I'm trying to say is that sometimes you see a power like remove magic. This lets you take a magical curse off of something, unless it would be inconvenient. Then you just can't. Hmm. The uh, there's no tool by which you eventually can. You just can't. It, it's like when you uh, you're playing a video game and you run into an invisible wall. Yeah, you're like, oh, I can't jump over this small bush. I guess that way is blocked to me. Yeah. Uh, so there's definitely the interesting things as well with these powers is again, the way that they order them for some of them is very weird, but also the powers that they put into some of these are very weird. Like the clairvoyant is the one that always weirds me out because for the first four levels, you're like, Oh, this sort of makes sense. You have clairvoyance. Clairvoyance, yeah. Cure, which, okay, you can do some, like, psychic surgery, uh, psychometry, precognition. All of this makes perfect sense for a clairvoyant. Level five, photon ray. You can shoot a laser beam out of your finger. And I'm like, um, I'm sorry, what the fuck does that have to do with clairvoyance again? Had to go somewhere. I mean, put it anywhere else. Amusingly, that is the only way to get access to a cure power is to be clairvoyant. Uh, it, it, that they just stuck it somewhere. Clairvoyant does kind of feel like it. It has a little bit of a catch-all problem, but it's not alone. A lot of them have this weird thing. Uh, there's one in here just called Magneto, which is a futuristic sort of magnet and EM field sensing thing. Which, where by the way, I would sucks a lot of ass. I was gonna say it feels like half the powers in it are worthless. Oh yeah, the which, first couple ones you get it's like electro sensing you can sense electromagnetic waves you cannot affect them you just know they're there mm-hmm. and then em tuning you can mess with electromagnetic waves and it's like okay hold on stop 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 that would be insanely powerful if that works so like because everything's electromagnetic waves so i can do all kind if i could just fuck with them i could do whatever oh sorry we didn't mean to say it that way you can't really do anything useful <laughs> no hold on it makes you Let immune to some attacks <laughs> Uh, and then that one, of course, also ends with an energy beam, which feels weird, again, for a power called Magneto when, you know, this is 84, everyone knows who Magneto is. That's true. And none of the powers are, you move metal around. And it made me so angry that they were like, no. oh, finally, the attack power, you shoot a laser beam. Ah. <laughs> It should have been called Electromagnetic Spectro if they wanted it to be the name of a power set. Yeah. Because it doesn't it's not really about magnetism, it's about waves. So angry. Yeah. Uh so there are a few others I thought were <laughs> kind of funny. Uh one of them I think it's under projector, there's a hallucination power. It had a sentence in it that I found funny, even though it makes sense in context. Out of context, the sentence is disguise is not a sufficient disguise. <laughs> Which I just <laughs> I absolutely got a kick out of uh, precognition, which I believe is under the uh, the Mentat. No, I'm, nope. I'm, I'm wrong. I, I don't remember That's where clairvoyant. it is. Under clairvoyant, precognition is uh, basically a sixth sense power. It's a pretty straightforward sixth sense power, uh, but it sucks because the way it works is anytime you're about one minute away from anything be- breaking out into a fight or being dangerous, not you, but the GM rolls a D10, and on a one, they warn you that something bad is about to happen. Hmm. Um, so, and then there's a rule for if the DM or the GM forgets to do it. Ah. And, and the gift that they have, they, they have to give you special gifts if they forget to use it, which is like, 
why not just put that in the player's hands? And more importantly, why bury yourself with this kind of a super hard restriction you have to pay attention to just because one player decided to be a clairvoyant? Like, just make it so it always works. That would be so much simpler. I also have to bring some special attention to the Mentat category. Okay, sure. Because uh, the Mentat is all the, like, mind control or mind-changing things. So you have mind hip- taker. hypnosis or persuasion. You can make it so that people view you differently, like... You don't actually change. You just have a mental illusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last power is mass to energy, where you just change things into energy that explodes. And again, how how is this a power related to mental domination? Well, it's not. It's related to Mentat, the class of people that existed in Frank Herbert's Dune books. And mass to energy is what happens when you fire a beam weapon into one of those Hertz shield generators or whatever and cause a nuclear explosion. It makes perfect sense. You just have to know a lot about Dune. Ah! Don't worry about it one way or the other. But did the uh, Mentats I... turn mass into energy? Or was no, they were just like they, they were just had. like professional nerds was what a Mentat was. They didn't do anything special like that at all. They had purple lips and were big eyebrows and, and were weird. Yeah, so fuck this guy forever for using Mentat and Magneto and having nothing to do with those. And Cyborg. I gotta say, that's a guy. I mean, granted, it's a thing before it was a guy. Okay, but I gotta I gotta give my special note for the worst power, too. It's under Sorcerer, and it's called Fascination, and it's the mind control power. It's straight up just the mind control power, uh, and it's not a soft mind control power today where we can give people, like, a very specific command, like, you know, hit that guy or whatever. It's you can do whatever you can make them do whatever. They put big old quotes around that, whatever. So you can see, you can feel the gross sexual engine energy behind them saying they'll do whatever you want. Uh, the the only thing that, that, uh, grants them not an out, but an extra save is telling them commit your target to commit suicide. Hmm. Uh, so if they try to commit suicide, they can roll their save again. And if they fail it, they commit suicide. Um, and there's some bonus gross out language towards the end of it where it's like, Hey, after this, after the sorcerer takes over and then stops taking over your body, if you, uh, if they were mean to you, you're going to hate them dramatically. But if they did a good job of taking you over, you'll remember them fondly. Hmm. 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 And I'm like, I don't care if I get mind controlled and forced to take care of myself for a day and read a book and go to a spa and shit. I'm going to be mad I got mind controlled. I'm not going to remember who did that fondly. No. If someone's like, ah, I controlled your mind and forced you to drink sufficient water and go on a walk, I'd be like, hey, fuck you, buddy. (laughs) I have chosen the speed at which I am approaching the Reaper. (laughs) How (laughs) dare you? (laughs) And... Just because this is already a shit Sunday with a crap whipped cream on top of it, let's put some cherry on there. You get a plus three bonus if the person you're fascinating is a member of the opposite sex. <gasps> okay, just wanted to bring that up. The worst power in the game by by a mile. Yep. Uh, now, we, we're, we're, I don't want to run out of time entirely here. We have a little bit left. So I really want to talk. This book provides us with some settings. And I just want to really quickly go over the suggested settings from the book. 
Uh, very fast. Pretty much just a sentence or two each. Okay. The first one is just uh, ancient Greece mythology. It's just, what if you would you like to hang out in the world of ancient Greece? And it opens with the dumbest sentence in the world. Because <laughs> uh, this book, it's got kind of that 80s daffy writing style where everyone felt like it's not enough to copy Gygax's work. You also have to co- copy his stupid, pompous, highbrow, Brobdingnagian tendencies. I mean, so, the problem with this one, specifically the Greek one, is it feels like they kept trying to justify why they were doing Greek mythology. Yeah, because the opening sentence is like, this is a setting that romanticizes the era between 1500 and 1000 BC. Because most history from that era is from Greece, the setting focuses on that history. This is an ancient Greek fantasy setting. Like, you could have just said it's ancient Greece. We don't need your... We, we're coming up with a bunch of reasons to not mention China sentences. Oh, yeah. It's a romanticized version of the way in which some philosophers viewed the world from 1500 to 1000 BC. Like, mm-hmm. you can just say, this is the Greek mythology land. We get it. The only mythology you know is Greek mythology. It's fine. Yeah, Everyone's it's, it's- fine with it. But every time he's like, this is where most of the history came from. I'm like, please, you don't need to justify that you're too much of a dude from the 80s to know, like, the, the Shang Dynasty or whatever. Like, just just be like, I wanted to write in ancient Greece. And we know you wanted to write in ancient Greece because there are five settings in the back of this book, and three of them are effectively ancient Greece-type stuff. I mean, they're a little different, but you'll see what I mean. The next one is the sci-fi setting. Uh, it's where the moon has been turned into a giant supercomputer that enables warp travel. And get ready for it, because this is the 12th or 13th time I've said this. It's fucking Space Roam. Yay. And it's not just Space Roam. It is real close to being 40k. <laughs> like, we have an emperor who has essentially turned himself into more machine now than man, is the mm-hmm. only one that is able to communicate with Luna X, which is what makes, like, FTL travel possible, and mm-hmm. we call Earth Terra. Eh. Yep. Ah, the ships full of gladiatorial warriors invade the enemy planet. See, like, ah, fucking, why is it always Rome? Why is the emperor called Romulus the 11th? Eat a bag of dicks. Ah, we must send, spend our forces, the stellar marines. Ha <laughs> ha, yes. All right, there's a historic setting that can be dispensed with in a sentence. It's the historic high age of piracy, largely because that's also when uh, f- fucking Three Musketeers was set. So you get a two for one. Um, the science fantasy is just a bunch of Dr. not Dr. Strange, Dr. Who type goof nonsense, entirely based on the weirder poems of William Blake. Yep. If you're like, ah, I remember the poems of Los and the, the lost city of Golganuza and all that shit, then good news. Here it is. Although they don't actually flesh it out at all. They just mention that there are a bunch of people with these names. And if you want to know more about it, here's a list of 11 Blake poems to read. Warning, (laughs) they're challenging. Uh, and then one of, if not the most annoying version of this, which is the alternate history where, like, Spartacus didn't lose. <laughs> and when- no, well, Spartacus, Spartacus always wins the slave rebellion. The, the, the mistake he makes is hanging around. In this, he goes north and founds another Rome. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't just, I'm sorry. you know, get wrecked. He goes and leaves and creates his own kingdom. Yeah. So now there are two Romes, 
Meanwhile, what's her name? Bodica, uh, that, that, that ancient Britannia queen, uh, wins her battles instead of losing them. And so Western Europe turns into super whales. Yeah. The, the thing with this setting is they're like, Ooh, it's an alternate history where a few things change that are super key, but mostly what it means is we just took anything we could think of and went, uh, does this have any sort of link or stereotype? We just lumped him into a big old kingdom. What yeah, is this? because all of the like Sweden, Norway, like any of those Nordic type things and the top of Russia, fuck it. They're all one thing now. Who cares? Yeah, we'll call them the kingdom of Ruski or something. That doesn't fucking matter. And they do the, They just do this over and over again. There are two primary powers, the kingdom of Simru, which is the eastern United States and western Europe with kind of a Arthurian legend fi- vibe to it. And then the triumvirate, uh, which is a mix of the two surviving Romes, because uh, there's a Roman Germany and a Roman Rome, and also the kingdom of Amateras, uh, which are, which are, sorry, it's Amatera, because they, they bastardize the word even more. And that is Japan, Korea, some of China, and some of Russia in a giant society that's a big shogunate that's all obsessed with honor and shit, obviously. Obviously. Uh, but we then, also get then, the kingdom of Ugria, which is just mostly like Huns and <laughs> the so yeah, the people that broke off from the kingdom from the Spartacus. They like joined together with some people, and they're in between the two Romes. It's God. This whole setting sucks my ass. It does. And the problem is that all of the settings are provided in such a top-level view that they're not worthwhile play aids. They're just like, hey, look, I came up with a neat kingdom. Okay, well, what would I do there? I don't know. I never advanced beyond drawing a risk board. (laughs) I decided that, obviously, in the Americas, there's a giant confederation of the Native Americans, and I don't care who's in it. This is the Cherokee Confederation. They just... You know, I'm sure they got along with every other tribe, and now they're all together, and they're fine. Yeah, but I'm not playing alternate universe Axis and allies. I'm playing a a schlub with a muscle score of 12. What do I do? How do I interact with it? Oh, no, there's no names. There's no place to start. There's no cities listed. It's just a giant list of kingdoms. Yeah, great. Now I'm a shit farmer, but I guess I'm in, you know, the kingdom of Oaxaca. Yeah, and every one of them is just, hey, we took four or five countries and mushed them together because we don't know anything about their individual cultures. What's this? It's the Empire of Manomatapa. It's Malawi, Mozambique, Tanganyika, Zambia, and the Congo. Squished together. Done. No questions. The present emperor is named Chaka. (laughs) Okay, thanks. And then the final one, and this one's real easy to go over. Uh, It's just... The Nine Worlds, so you already know it's just, you know, Norse mythology shit. But again, rather than setting up why you would go to Asgard or what you would do there, they're just like, ah, when one enters the plain of Asgard, one first encounters the Vigrid, a massive plain at which Ragnarok will take place. Beyond Vigrid is the plain of Ida. In the center of the plain of Ida is Idaval, the largest hill on the plain. You're like... Wait, do you expect us to go to Norse Heaven? Or are we going to spend our time in Midgard? What? Why are we going through this? Did you just read the Dolaire book and you wanted to write it back down? <laughs> none, none of this is useful for play. Yeah. Especially because of the realms, 
I'd say fully five of them. You just fucking can't go. They're like, oh, you want to go to Muspelheim? Fuck you. You're on fire. <laughs> so uh, why are we getting this long ass description? It just it's because this guy knew a lot about Norse mythology, and rather than try and figure out a way to to make it into part of his game, he just didn't and just wrote it down instead. Yeah, and it's it's just like you say, kind of pointless when you're like, oh, I until we get to the point where I am very powerful, none of this matters because you know maybe I could be like, ah, yes, you are, a, you know, a little chump from Midgard. Uh, okay, sure. Does I'm, Am I yeah. going to interact with any of the rest of this Asgardian nonsense? No, you will not. Not till you're super high level. And at that point, uh, even then, this isn't going to be useful information because you've spent, you know about as much about North mythology as I do. So you're going to be like, well, I guess I'll try and find Freya or Tyr. Okay, they, they're they there. Great. Good job. There's no intrigue. There's no stories. It's just a static picture of what Norse mythology looks like. Yep. Now, quick before we're done, special oh, yes, mention obviously. for for the... We gotta talk about it. It's the highlight of the book. It's the best thing you this the book has to offer. Uh, the Monster Manual is actually quite good. The monsters are fairly simple. They're easy to run. They make sense. Far too many of them are incredibly powerful. Like, most of them are just they would just completely ruin you and there's no reason to give them stats. Hmm. But when you first get through the monster manual, you just scroll through a section of like monsters. And then all of a sudden it's shirtless buff furries for eight pages in a row. Yeah. You get to a part of the book where they're like, Oh, here's stats for just regular animals. You can, you know, fight a wolf or a grizzly bear or an elephant or whatever. But then what about the gods of the animals? They're like, oh, uh, every type of animal has a ruler and Mm -hmm. also a, like, protector species. Yeah, it's always, like, one step down from the god. Basically something to fight before you fight the god. Yeah, there are guardians and then the ruler. So Mm -hmm. you'd think, okay, well, I guess the... The whole thing is going to be like, oh, it's the god of frogs and it's the god of bears and it'll just be a big bear or whatever. But, I mean, it is a big bear, but in the f- sense that it is. you would see this dude at a club being like, yeah, I got my shirt off. Let's do this. I mean, all of a sudden, it's a Mapplethorpe book. Like, it just, it has this instant swap and it is glorious. You see a giant frog man, little leaves covering up his frog dick posing magnificently with his abs a showing by a lake, just sort of inviting you in like, hey, man, you want to rib it? I want to rib it. Oh, yeah. And so many of them, you can tell that they were like, oh, you used a bodybuilding thing for these poses, too, because like the god of dogs is just sitting there in a pose that's like, let me do a flex Mm -hmm. and show off all my rippling muscles. And it is just... Hilarious, because even in the drawn picture, it just looks like, oh, you drew a buff dude and then put the picture of a dog's head on top of it. (laughs) I am reasonably uh, sure that you could go back to look at 1970s pictures of Arnold uh, in his bodybuilding flexes and find one-to-one the models that they use for the dudes in this book. Oh, yeah. And Especially the rhino guy. The rhino guy is pure flex. I love all of them. Mm-hmm. They are all Every my one children. Of them is my favorite. 
out. <laughs> Except the mo- yeah. I, w- I have to mention how weird it is that all of them, I mean, like, we're talking all of the them crab. are buff dudes except for cattle, which had which has a sexy lady, and then cats and fish have like uh-huh. ah, a sexy lady with an animal head. Mm-hmm. Except dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are the one category where the two of them are like, no, the god's just a big dinosaur. What why would it be anything else? I'm like, but why is why are dinosaurs different? Why don't I have a buff dude with a T-Rex head? This is so weird to me. <laughs> yeah, they're sleeping on that scaly market. People are way into that. Oh, and they're yeah. so into it that some of them are like, I know that certain dinosaurs had feathers. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is a treat. If you find your your, your uh, hands on a copy of this book, you got to go right down to the monster manual and just check out all these dudes and give them flexing dude name energy right away. Because some of them, you're like, all right, the frog dude, the frog dude's a lover. Like the frog dude wants to know you. He wants to he wants to get buried in your arms. But I feel like the eagle dude, that guy's on some drugs, and I don't want to go and hang around with him. Oh no, that is definitely a guy that will get drunk and go try to steal like stop signs and shit like just rip things off with his bare hands yeah like i don't his energy is no good for me i don't want to be around him the crab dude the crab dude is working on some serious gains i'm pretty sure he's a himbo i'm way into the crab man oh chimpanzee guy i'm like Mm -hmm. you're great i love you you have a real chill vibe like you're ripped (laughs) but you're not gonna come up to and talk to me about like fucking your training regimen you're just a cool dude the elephant is presently peacocking he is working as at least an eight at some sort of club venue he's uh he's definitely he's got uh, his armbands on those are his item of interest he is leaning against a wall to reduce the uh, the escape vectors for his target he is a piece of shit but at least he's got some solid abs <laughs> it's just it's so good so I just wanted to mention, and then of course, right after that, you get to the, uh, I think she's the, the snake God and she's just a lady with a snake face. And I don't mean like she has a snake face on her face. I mean, her face is a whole snake. Oh yeah. It's not like, ah, we put a serpent's head on top of this lady. It's there's a full sexy lady. And then coming out the top of her neck is a full ass snake. <laughs> yeah. With a haircut going over what would basically be the snake's butt. It looks like a picture, like one of those art pieces where it'd be like, if a snake wore a hat, if a snake lady wore a hat, would it wear it like this or like this? <laughs> so uh, anyway, the monster manual is far too full of gods. Like there's a couple of monsters here and there that are useful. But as you scroll your way through, you're like, God, everything you you can possibly fight has like an entire category of powers and you don't. Oh, yeah. Like I mentioned the like when you were talking about the bar guest is worth 25 xp you're like yeah but that will immediately murder any starting party that shows up next to it whereas if you were like all right what happens if i fight like a gorilla it is worth four xp it will also probably beat the shit out of you what if i meet a regular ass dwarf oh he's got the power of remove magic and magic armor and magic weapon shit so is he like He's very powerful. Yes. More powerful than you could possibly be for dozens of levels. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much the last bit of it. I feel like, I mean, the book doesn't even have an adventure. It just runs out of monsters and that's the end of that. Yep. Uh, I, I do. I gotta say, I applaud the books, uh, chutzpah when it comes to, uh, selling 
because it mentions that there it, at various points in the book it mentions that there are uh, a char- a pad of character sheets and a DM screen, both of which are packaged with adventures that they're selling. Oh yeah, do you want to run the Horn of Roland? Well, congratulations, we have that separate for you. Yeah, and it comes with something you would absolutely need. <laughs> trying to remember even what the Horn of Roland is. It's like a poem, right? Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. it's the whole I Dark Tower it's thing. Sh- it's no, wait, no, that's that's Child the Roland King to the ver- Dark Tower went. <laughs> but yeah, but that's the Stephen King novels. Isn't it isn't it originally based on an 11th century poem? Child Roland to the Dark Tower went, which is what the oh, Stephen the po- King shit is based on. Oh, okay. All right. I thought that, okay, that makes sense that he would be basing it on that. Because it's based on, like, Charlemagne or something. Whatever. Who gives a shit? Um, So anyway, let's get to our favorites and least favorites. All right. Let's do it. John, what's your favorite thing about this game? Uh, I mean, my favorite thing about this game, obviously, is the the sexy animal gods. But aside from Sexy animals. Yeah. (laughs) Um... I feel like the non-advanced version of combat is fine. They're just like, yeah, you roll initiative, whoever has it, you roll your attack, you're rolling against a number that is modified by their armor, you hit or you miss, your damage is on the the thing. It even says, hey, you might want to just speed things up by saying that all weapons do the average damage that they would do. So if you want combat to go quickly... This game allows you to have a very easy, fast combat. It just also is like, hey, do you want combat to not? (laughs) So the easy combat is my favorite thing that they decided to do. What about you? Okay, well, I also have to say my favorite thing about the book, obviously, is all the sexy animal dudes. Yeah. Uh, But beyond that, the real answer for me is the the, uh, the variations in skill track, where each time you put a point in skill, you get a new, like, whole thing. I thought that was kind of a clever way to make the skills more interesting than just ever increasing numbers. Yeah, and at least they do say, like, the whole point of unlocking a thing is you shouldn't roll for that anymore. Like, if I have radio and someone's like, I have a broken radio, you should not have to roll to fix it. That's a thing you know. I love all the early attempts at generic role-playing advice that are in this book otherwise, where they're like, what if your character doesn't yet know how to repair water vehicles? You might enjoy giving them a 70% chance to do so, in which case they may roll that on percentile dice, or perhaps you might. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, I I like that they're aware that when you get a rank and a skill, it's because you can do that shit now. It's not that you have a 40% chance. Yeah, it's just, hey, you have it now. That's a thing you know. Great. Unless circumstances are very unusual, don't roll for this. What's your least favorite thing about this game? Oh, good God. It's been a minute since we've had a Dirt Farmer game, and yeah. it's it's finally time that we come back to the whole point of, hey, don't make your characters suck ass to start with and have to earn your fun. This game has such an interesting idea behind it, but you don't get to play with it for so long. And I absolutely hate the idea of, here's all these toys you get to look at, you do not get to play with them. Yeah, I'm still not sure what they want you to start as. 
Because, like, you think if you grew up in a magically society or world, then you already have access to, like, how to operate in a magical society or world. But it's still the capstone to all of the skills. Yeah. And, I mean, they have a, like, the section where they go through, let's create a character. And the guy they make is just sort of an old-timey Western dude who can shoot a shotgun and knows how to do stage magic. And you're like, all right. What is this guy going to do when you decide to send him off to like space? Like what he knows how to use a shotgun and he can like do sleight of hand. I mean, what to his credit, by the time he's able to go to space, he'll have a billion XP and every one of his stats will be in the hundreds and he'll have a lot of powers, I guess. But it, it does feel weird the, the the where you're supposed to start and how long it's supposed to be before it gets interesting are very strong points of contention in this game. Yeah. So what is your least favorite thing in here? Uh, I'm going to say when the combat system falls apart by insisting on going to an advanced combat system. Yeah, pretty much. All all of a sudden, there's a bunch of weird initiative penalties and multi-action dependency issues where other people are going to have way more attacks than you are. It's uh, it, It just suddenly falls apart when originally it was a perfectly functional, if fairly simple combat system. Yeah, one of the things they mention is they're like, oh, a game turn is six seconds. And we assume it's not just that you're making one attack every six seconds. You're doing as much as you possibly can in those six seconds. And there's rules for like, oh, you can kind of try to divide up the damage you deal between multiple people because this is all of your actions for the round. Mm -hmm. And then you get into the part where you're like, yeah, but what if my physical score gets to the point where i have multiple actions oh we don't have an answer for you it's just weird now yeah so that's definitely my least favorite thing uh outside of the one that you already said because yeah this is a classic dirt farmer game where you start boring and are forced to stay there for a long time even if you start the game in an interesting place yeah so would you play this game uh no definitely not i hate any game that wants you to start out as the chumpiest chump that ever existed. That is one of my least favorite things in any game. So no, mm-hmm. I understand there are people out there who love like the, uh, the funnel systems where you play as level zero characters and so on. It's a definite bias that we both wear openly on our sleeves. That shit sucks. Even with that, I'm like, I can understand the idea of a meat grinder, being like, yeah, I just take a bunch of idiots and I throw them into a place and they explode and then I throw another one. I can almost understand where that's fun. But okay, the, fine. No, you just have one guy. That guy sucks. You're supposed to yeah. be him. Yeah, you're right. That's a, that's a better way to put it than my, my hard line. Fair enough. Uh, I also wouldn't play this game and it's because I can't just play as the shirtless animal men. True. Unless you want to give me a ton of XP and be like, yeah, now you're the shirtless sexy god of i don't know cockroaches and i've just got weird antenna coming out of my cockroach head and then absolutely yoked dude beneath that delts for days if i can't play as one of these 80s furries in this book then what's what is even the point true so that's that's where where, uh, my also the dog cowboy there's a picture of in here is uh (laughs) another thing where please let me play as this dog cowboy his name is Soltron, and he has the powers of sound control, telekinesis, and apportation. He never forgets a friend. 
I uh, I can't I can't get enough of Soltron. I wish I could make him. I cannot. Anyway, there you go. Neither of us would play the game, and that is just about it. After this, it's time to talk about the Patreon. That's right. If you head over to patreon.com slash system mastery at our bargain basement tier, the lowest you can pay will unlock content for this show where we're going to go make characters in Lords of Creation. What will we make? Is it someone that sucks? Definitely. <laughs> yep, pretty much. And to get to, to, to uh, find that, all you got to do is go over to patreon.com slash system mastery at the one dollar level it could not get cheaper it is the cheapest thing just like john said uh but there are other levels available you can support us at the uh two dollar level for star wars bonus content and at the five dollar level for both our afterthought and our tv mastery where right now we're watching selected episodes of the littlest hobo oh my gosh is it ever fun it is so good honestly if you just go to the five dollar level for that alone it would be worth it yep Absolutely. Uh, so go support us there. And until such time as you do, thank you so much for listening. You all have a very good one. Good one.